Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina DeCastro. On this episode, I talk with Lisa Rifalo about the planet Saturn as we continue our planet series, looking at the connection between the astrological Saturn and Saturn in the Tarot. I'm excited to revisit the planet series with Lisa as Saturn uh, just today has made its movement into a new sign of Libra. And so it's a momentous time as Saturn takes about two and a half years to move through a sign. And so we'll be referring to Saturn's movement into Libra uh, during the, the talk that we had. Um, I really have a good time every time that Lisa and I work together. And I know I get a lot of nice feedback from y'all as well that you enjoy our interactions. So I'd also like to announce that uh, we'll be together on a blog talk radio show with Storm Sestivani uh, coming next Thursday, November 5th. And it will be on blog talk radio um, at five o'clock Pacific standard time. And so that will be a live show. And I'll put up a link at the site so that you can get to that. And I'll also put out the announce on Twitter and Facebook. Um, by the way, if you have not joined me on Twitter and Facebook, you you are more than welcome to do so. I sometimes put updates about the podcast, uh, little astrological tidbits, uh, bits of news, and just generally how I'm doing. So <laughs> you're welcome to join me or friend me there. Um, and I also wanted to put out the reminder that I've just finished the first level of Basics of Evolutionary Astrology webinar classes. And the a second level is in progress, but even if you did not register for the class already, you can still purchase the MP3s. Um, they are available, they can be available to you online and you just download them. So it's the same cost as registering for the class. Uh, the difference is you aren't participating live in the class, but you also don't have to commit to be there at a certain time. So there's advantages to either way. So if you have questions about that, please let me know by emailing me at dina at dinadecastro.com. You can also go to my website, dinadecastro.com, and click on the classes tab uh, to check out more information about that. So just to let you know, as we uh, go towards the the time that Lisa and I shared together, um, she has also uh, posted this podcast at her site. And she also has all the handouts and the notes at her site. So instead of redoubling that effort, I'm going to just put a link at my site to her site because she's done it so well and so neatly. Uh, so you can go check out the notes, the handouts, and the, um, the spread that she created for Saturn and invoking Saturn at her website, which is www.tarotconnection.net. And with that, off to Dina and Lisa. Well, you know, I have to say that I'm a little more comfortable with Saturn and the tarot because in the Golden Dawn system, there are cards assigned to Saturn. Mm -hmm. And so I'll just say just to start out that what we had done in the past is there there weren't cards assigned to the planets right? because they, they were the outer planets. And so all I could do was really look at the cards that seem to embody the principles of it. 
Right. So when we were talking about Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto before, there aren't cards assigned to that because they aren't the the ancient planets. Right. And so we could have done that, continued with that. And there were different cards that I would have brought to the table. Right. But I didn't. I wanted to go back to, you know, talking about the system, except for in the case of the major arcana, I picked four cards, one that's associated with Saturn, and then three that have aspects of Saturn that I thought were worth at least mentioning. Right. I noticed that, and I thought, yeah, that's really interesting. And in part because, and, and I, don't, I don't need to hedge right now, but Saturn is the world, and it's probably not the most Saturnal card. Right. We can, we can get into that. Yeah. I mean, we can kind of stretch and look at the world card and say, well, she's constrained you know, there's boundaries, and she's constrained by the wreath in the world card. But beyond that, it's not very Saturnian. Yeah, the only good thing I would say, you know, it is the reward of invoking Saturn, I think, Mm -hmm. is being at the state of the world, but we can kind of get there. Okay. Later. So do you want to start us off by talking about Saturn and astrology? Yeah, so Saturn... Astrologically speaking, you know, if we're looking first at the natal Saturn, meaning the Saturn in your birth chart, it represents the part of you that can develop discipline and maturity, that has a sense of responsibility, and the Saturn function within you helps you to achieve your worldly goals, to achieve your aspirations. And, you know, in order to get to those goals, you need uh, maturity sense of responsibility and duty and discipline. And so when you're using your Saturn function in its highest way, then you're able to get to those things. You're able to get to those goals and those worldly aspirations. Um, So Saturn is neither good nor bad. You know, I really want to emphasize this as we go along. It's not a negative planet. It's neutral. It is what it is. It's a psychic function. And where it is in your chart, will describe the nature of the way that you want to use that Saturn, okay, by its sign placement and in what area of life that Saturn is going to be most active for you, and that's going to be the house placement. So that's a little bit about the natal Saturn. And then the uh, Saturn by transit, which we're really going to be talking more about, Saturn transits. Saturn transits are times when... You know, life becomes very real. (laughs) You're faced with realities. You're faced with choices. Um, It's not a time where things just will kind of magically work out. You know, you have to actually apply your, your will and your discipline and your focus to get things done. And you need to make sometimes difficult choices, particularly if you're going through attentional aspect with Saturn to something like a square or an opposition, you know, you'll be up against kind of a crossroads time where you have to choose one thing or the other, you know, and it's the real world choices that actually move us forward. It's not a time of dreaminess or it's not a Neptunian time, you know, it's not a, a time of wondering and wishing how things should be. It's a time of actually doing and deciding So this is why Saturn transits sometimes get a bad rap because it's it's not a time where just sitting back and kind of waiting for things to happen really behooves you. And so it's a time where the rubber meets the road, so to speak. So the the 
gift of a Saturn transit. And the gift of that time is when you actually achieve your goals by using that inner discipline, by realizing that you are strong and you are mature and you are wise enough to do what you need to do here and to actually enact that Saturn muscle in the world. You know, and from that, you derive a sense of accomplishment. From that, you derive self-satisfaction and a belief in yourself that's really based on solid outer world feedback that tells you, you know, yes, you have arrived, (laughs) so to speak. So it's Saturn transits do not have to be a bummer, you know, and that's the big myth that I want to dispel because everybody, you know, puts their hand to their forehead and says, oh, no, my Saturn return is coming. And, you know, that's a lot of the old stuff that's out there about about Saturn. But really, Saturn has a gift in it. And and we need that, too. We don't only need Jupiter transits. We need Saturn <laughs> transits, too. Well, and when I was thinking about the Saturn energy, Mm-hmm. Not not the most fun, but I really want the rewards of it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, the gift and the reward of Saturn is real. It's tangible. It You can feel it. You can touch it. You know, it's not this nebulous thing. It's, it's something tangible, like attaining a degree or getting a raise or uh, being acknowledged in some way for um, your achievements in any field. You know, those tangible rewards, visible rewards, you know, often outer world acknowledgments for you of what of what you have done that is Saturnian, you know, something you've worked hard for. And when we work hard for things, we do get the reward eventually. You know, another association with Saturn, which you'll probably talk about too, is that it has to do with time and things that develop over time, you know, kind of the slow-moving things, the uh, things that take patience to develop. And so things that are Saturnian kind of move, tend to move slowly and take patience and focus. They don't happen instantaneously. It's not a, it's the opposite of instant gratification. You know, it's delayed gratification with Saturn, but it is gratification ultimately by that reward that we get. Well, and a reward that you feel like you've earned too. Yes. Yeah, I would say that's really key point, you know, and that's where the self, self-fulfillment comes in. You know, when you feel like you've actually earned it, you've worked for it, and that here is the visible thing that represents that, all of that work and all of that energy and time. One thing I was curious about, and I'm trying to go back to what my question was with Saturn. Oh, so my question for you is, and I have no idea... Uh, what the answer is, is how do did they determine what planet goes with what card in the tarot? I mean, for instance, why is Saturn the card that goes with, uh, or Saturn the planet that goes with the world? <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's not a very um, exciting answer, but it was really just based on the order of the trumps, almost entirely in the Marseille tradition, mm-hmm. and then the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay. And so you're kind of, in in some ways, it fit really, really well. Mm -hmm. And in one case, they they flipped justice and strength because Leo would have been with um, justice. Right. And And Libra with strength. 
And so when they flipped that, everything la lined up pretty well. And so that, that's why we have the world for Saturn. It's just where it is at the end of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, I see. So it was more about the order of things. And right, how it yeah. Oh, gotcha. Which is a little arbitrary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are arguably cards that, that fit better. So I'll, I'll say what the cards were that I, that I picked to talk about when the major arcana. So the first is the world. And so that is, has a double attribution of Saturn and Earth. Earth doesn't show up anywhere else. And I think Dion Fortune said it's because we don't need it because we're in the Earth plane. But I mean, I think that's just an excuse for the, you know, there weren't enough <laughs> planets and alphabets. Right. And then the devil and he is, his attribution is Capricorn, and Saturn is the ruler of Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that Saturn shows up is that it's actually in the Rider Waite deck, there's a symbol of Saturn in the palm of the, the devil's hand. Mm -hmm. I thought the, the hermit was worth mentioning. I mean, his attribution is Virgo, but he's very, he looks more like Saturn than most of the, any of the other cards because Saturn is often depicted as a, <laughs> the definition that I found in one book was a sinister looking, limping old man. That's nice. <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> and so, I mean, I don't think he's sinister looking, but he does look old. He has a, a beard and he, he has a wand, but it's kind of cane-like. Mm -hmm. And the cane is one of the symbols that you might, a man with a cane that you might associate with Saturn. Well, if I had to vote for, as an astrologer, for the card of all the trumps, which most looks like Saturn, it would obviously, to me, be the hermit. Right. Yeah. And in some decks, he's called Father Time, and that, that seems very related to Saturn, too. Yeah. And then oh, the, definitely. the final card that I would mention just very, very briefly would be the Emperor, he, because he looks a lot like Saturn, and he is a symbol of rules and re respectability and responsibility and he's heavily armored and in regalia and you know he he represents some of what i would associate with saturn mm -hmm. too and i think you told me once that that white beard on the emperor is not about age so much as a sign of wisdom or venerability right that exactly. that you, yeah so it's not that he's old necessarily as the emperor it's that he has wisdom and venerability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I, and that's true for the hermit, too. The hermit seems a little freer in some ways than the emperor. But, I mean, he would be, the, the things about Saturn that I would see with the hermit would be his sense of, I guess, responsibility, too, and the, the right path, the right action aspect. Right, and he's shining the light on the path. Is how I, I would think of it. You know, it's all, we can't see that there's a path, but to me, that's I'm making a leap there. But that seems to be what he's doing. Right. Yeah. I would. I would say. I would agree that that's what I think he's doing too. Mm -hmm. One of the. So I did a little better this time, rather than just doing Google research. I, I, I got a few <laughs> books out. All right. And I put put them at the end. So it was astrology for the light side of the brain. Um, astrology for Dummies, and then a, a book called Astrology, Magic, and Alchemy and Art, which is an absolutely gorgeous art symbolism book. And one of my favorite things that I read was from that last one, and they had sections on hermetic planets, which I'd never seen before. And hermetic Saturn, the symbol for it is, so you would look through, I guess, alchemical texts for a old man with a crutch in the, the shape of a dragon that bites its own tail. Mm -hmm. And 
the other thing that it said that was interesting is that it was related to melancholy. And I, I think that's probably true for Saturn in general. Yeah. But that the function of melancholy... Is well, what I see is that, so melancholy was considered a necessary state of the creative process and indicative of genius. Yes. Yes, that's okay. it, exactly. Yeah, so I thought that was nice, a nice way to, yeah. to look at melancholy in the creative process. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say that in traditional astrology lore, melancholy is definitely associated with Saturn. You know, if you read any descriptions of someone who has, you know, Capricornian planets or uh, let's say moon, a moon Saturn conjunction, which I happen to have. So I know because I've read everything about Saturn that it is always associated with melancholy and kind of the old style sense of that word, you know. Mm -hmm and depression. And, you know, I like that idea that that is also just part of, it's almost like one of the alchemical stages, you know, in order for things to flow from one stage to the next, they need to go through melancholy. Right. And I, you get addicted to the inspiring, exciting part of the creative process, which is usually the front end. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> and then somewhere between actual the rewards you would get from Saturn, I think, is that depression and frustration and reality of, you know, it's actually hard to create. Yeah. And, you know, where, where, what actually just occurred to me, maybe this is a little bit out there, but if I'm thinking of the Zodiac wheel and where Capricorn falls on the wheel, it's towards the end. You know, it's it's the third to the last uh, that goes Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. And so there, it's like the darkness before the dawn and literally the winter solstice, you know, is, is Capricorn time when the sun moves into Capricorn. It's the darkest it gets, you know, at that time when the sun is moving into Capricorn and then the light starts coming back. And so something in my mind just went there, you know, with, with thinking about that part of the creative process in Saturn and melancholy um, that we have to go into that dark, that winter time, that um, the time without light in order to then bring whatever it is back out into the light. Yeah, and if you look at like just a little bit ahead in, in my notes, the, the cards that are actually associated with Saturn emotionally, none of them are comfortable at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did notice that. <laughs> it's actually a little bit grim, really. <laughs> Let's talk about those. We have you know, the Seven of Pentacles, which is Saturn and Taurus, and the esoteric title is Success Unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. I'll just run through them pretty fast, and then we can talk about them a little more. The Five of Wands, Saturn and Leo, which is Strife. And so it's the, the guys with the, the wands, or, yeah, the wands beating up each other. The so Three of Swords, Saturn and Libra, which is Sorrow. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's the heart being pierced by the swords. The Ten of Wands, Saturn and Sagittarius, the guy carrying all of the wands on his, I guess not even his back. He's kind of hunched over carrying him, and it's called oppression. And then the Eight of Cups, Saturn and Pisces, abandoned success. Mm-hmm. And they're all like grim, hard work. And if you look at just even the words, you know, the images are are bad enough. <laughs> and then you look at the words, <laughs> right. like, let's read them in a row. Success unfulfilled, strife, sorrow, oppression, abandoned success. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Heavy. It is pretty heavy. <laughs> heavy, man. 
one of the things that I did is I went to, I, I just picked a website for this and looked up a little bit of what they said about if, so th this is the one case where there's kind of a lineup between your chart and Saturn. So there are people who have Saturn and Taurus. It's not exactly the same thing as seeing the chart, as, as seeing this card. Uh -huh. And, the, but there were some things, you know, I picked a little bit randomly, always astrology, just because they had enough text to do this uh -huh. with. And there were things in it that actually fit the card pretty well. So for Saturn and Taurus, the things that I saw in that was a deep need to feel secure and nothing comes easy. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, he looks like that. Yeah. He wants to feel secure. He wants that, the harvest to come to fruition, you know, right now. But mm -hmm. he's got to keep working for it. Right. And I mean, he wouldn't even have gotten as far as he had without really needing, you know, being committed to, to the work. Yeah. Well, from the look of the card, he's already done a lot, you know. <laughs> he's already been working for a while. That's that moment when you look at it and just go, <sighs> you know, I need, I need to rest now. <laughs> you know, when this comes up in a reading, I would advise the person to be happy with what they got. That, you know, there, there is value. I mean, you may be feeling like you're, it wasn't worth your time investment, but what you produced was valuable and should be appreciated. I like that. Yeah, that is kind of the feeling of the card, actually. It's like you want to comfort that guy and say, well, don't, you know, it's not like you haven't done anything. Right. <laughs> yeah, you get, would have gotten nothing if you hadn't tried. Yeah. So for the five of wands, you know, strife doesn't seem that Saturnian. Mm -hmm. But in it, the things that were in it were a need for recognition and pushing other people, feeling jealous and pushing other people away. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, they, if these people were working together, then they, they would be doing better, but they're not. Mm -hmm. Right. And could it be that Saturn is, Saturn's placement in Leo is what makes this feel like strife? You know, it's not a sign where you would necessarily think Saturn is most comfortable. I think, I mean, yeah, I, th I, think, I think that's it. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, Leo would prefer Jupiter, right? Right. <laughs> Saturn would prefer something drier or something, you know, not so fiery. So for the Three of Swords, Saturn and Libra, this is one that people kind of have a problem with astrologically. Yeah. Because Saturn and Libra go together pretty well. Mm -hmm. Right. Saturn is exalted in Libra. Right. And so the thing that I actually, and we've talked about reasons why it probably would be a fine fit, but the things that I liked from this article was that relationships aren't easy mm -hmm. and there's a fear of rejection. And those seem to fit the, you know, the, the heartache of the three of swords. Right. And the thing that, that you've always pointed out about this card is that it's not a broken heart. You know, it's not right. a shattered heart. Um, there's some pain there, but it, it is still a whole heart. Mm -hmm. You know, I see this as a tattoo more than just about, well, hands down more than any tarot card. Yeah. But it's, I think it's really interesting. I don't know if people are wearing their um, past heartache on their sleeve as a badge of honor. Mm. That's an interesting observation. I have seen this one as a tattoo before. And I think maybe I'll ask why the next time I see it, because I see it all over town. Uh-huh. 
Interesting. Why did you pick the Three of Swords? I wonder what the response will be. Oh, it's pretty. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So for the, the Ten of Wands, which is the Lord of Oppression, achievements through hard work and reputation being important. And that's really, I mean, this is, that is a card of just backbreaking work and total commitment to whatever it takes to finish up. Mm-hmm. It's almost too, I, I think of the Sagittarian idea of taking on a lot, um, taking on more than you can chew almost. Mm. And it kind of looks like this guy has done that, you know, almost like he, he can, you know, he can do it. He can complete the work, but he is, maybe taken on a little bit too much. So Sagittarius doesn't seem like a good fit for Saturn, like a comfortable yeah. fit. I mean, could this be a case of taking on a lot because there's a need to feel like it's meaningful? Mm, yeah, there's, well, it's almost like a drive, a driven quality, you know, a workaholic kind of quality, mm. maybe. And then the last one, Abandoned Success, the Eight of Cups, it was learning to trust the subconscious and letting go of the past mm-hmm. for that. And I thought that was a good fit for Abandoned Success. Yeah. Yeah, so this, he's actually, he's walking away. But it doesn't, to me, seem like that card has to be overtly negative. And you could probably speak more to this and how you would interpret it in a reading if it came up. Uh, he could be leaving something that needs to be left behind. Well, I think that's always true, and it's hard to do, especially if you got something out of it in the past, like a sense of being a good person for doing it. Yeah. But it's no longer serving you or, you know, what the, the former purpose. Right. So the fear comes up about perhaps endings leading to a change in, identity or a change in what's important to you. Right. Yeah. Wow. So interesting that to me, a lot of these words associated with the cards can be parts of what people feel when they go through a Saturn transit. If it's, if it's affecting them adversely, you know, the difficult parts and there, there are difficult parts, but, Feeling, you know, abandon, a feeling of abandoned success, a feeling of oppression, a feeling of sorrow, a feeling of strife, a feeling of success unfulfilled, those things can ultimately lead to figuring out what you need to do to change that situation and then actively change it. And so actually, I think Saturn transits, you know, bringing these feelings up actually can push us in a better direction. But we have to get to this first sometimes. And so I imagine most people don't just have their act together initially. <laughs> well, I always like to say if you're born, you know, and you're here on this planet, mm-hmm. you know, you've got work to do. So <laughs> so that Saturn transit's going to come around at some point. Do you want to say anything else about the Saturn transit? Like when it comes in people's lives, what they, yeah. you know, what they should be expecting, what to do yeah. about it? Yeah, this would be a good place to do that. So Saturn moves in a very cyclical, predictable way. So, for example, most people know that they 
if they know it a little bit about astrology, they know that they have a Saturn return, which happens when you're about 29, and then a second one happens when you're about 58, 59 uh, in that area. And then if you're old enough, you'll get a third one, you know, later on, 29 years later. But the Saturn return is when Saturn actually returns to its natal position. And that period is about you know, coming into a place where you have to take on more responsibility and step into a role of authority in your life, the next level of authority and responsibility. And that's the kind of the goblet that's being offered to you, however you could choose to take it or not. You know, it won't be forced down your throat. You actually have to figure out if you're going to drink from the cup or if you're (laughs) going to say, no, I'll pass and, uh, then seven years later, okay, Saturn will come around to a square and you'll have to deal with this stuff again somehow, you know, if you decide not to deal with it the first time and things will have gotten progressively uh, more unkempt in your life <laughs> if you just kind of bypass that Saturn return. So Saturn transits and Saturn cycles are about these growing up markers, you know, these maturing times when we have to step up to the next level and become real adults in some regard. And so again, you know, the Saturn return happens, but then every seven years you will also have some kind of hard aspect of Saturn to itself. So Saturn makes a square to itself, you know, after the seven year mark, after the Saturn return, and then it will oppose itself after 14 years, make another square at 21 years, and then come back around to itself. So picture it as quadrants in which uh, every seven years it hits one of those marks, you know, and that starts from birth. So even, you know, at seven years old, at 14, at 21, and so on, you know, till you get to 29. And it's kind of roughly, it can be a little bit more, a little bit less than those ages, depending on uh, the birth date and how, how Saturn's moving. Then far as Saturn touching any other planets, you know, it's just, that was just what Saturn's doing to itself. Saturn can be making hard aspects or trines to anyone's natal planets at any time. And that's not tied to age. So it just depends on your natal chart. Hmm. Yeah. So is there a difference between what would happen in the, the square versus the opposition? Yeah. And it depends, too, on the difference between a waxing square and a waning square. A waxing square, think of it as the waxing moon, the kind of the first quarter of the moon phase. Uh, That would be the seven-year mark after uh, Saturn's at the return phase. So that first square is about things coming to kind of a, a crossroads or crisis point where the thing that you had to decide about, let's say at your Saturn return, you got married, you know, just to use a really simple um, example. And that was the the level of responsibility that you decided to step up to at age 29 is you committed to a relationship, which is actually a pretty common age for people to do that. Okay. So then seven years later at the waxing square, that marriage may be going through um, some questioning and some... um, some opportunity to figure out is this is this baby going to make it you know are we going to 
actually go on to the next phase or the next level? You know, can we continue to commit, basically? Right, and so I'm thinking about the seven-year itch. Yeah, totally. It, it fits right in there. You know, it's that seven-year cycle. And so it, it will feel itchy. You know, you, it's a square. There's tension and there's a little bit of stress and um, situations in the outer world will reflect, you know, what's going on inside of you. So then as it moves to the opposition, that tends to be more about a culmination point or a sense of um, being able to attain some kind of achievement in that area. You know, so when we, we reach that point, sometimes we can, if we've successfully gone through these other tests, we can feel a sense that, okay, we're at a kind of a culmination point here. You know, things are coming to fruition. It's kind of the harvest time. We ask, you know, what do we need to do next in this relationship? Where do we want to go from here? But it's, there's less stress involved in, than in that first square. And then the last square, which would be the waning square, seven years later and 21 years into the cycle, has to do with kind of a winding down feeling, a, a almost moving towards a point of resolution. And there's a feeling that at this point, those square issues may come up again. You know, we may have some more struggles come up. We may have some more questions that we need to resolve. But we're on the downside. It's like we're coasting now. And, and things are moving towards a sense of completion within this cycle. So it's, it's really about the energy of waxing and waning in terms of, of those squares. And then the opposition feels different from the square. Mm. Yeah. You can do that with Saturn cycles to any planet, actually, in looking at how it's affecting that planet, you know, in terms of its hard aspects to that planet. So this might be interesting for those who have a little bit of astrological knowledge to go through and, and just kind of plot, you know, for example, uh, when Saturn was conjunct your sun last, you know, then look at seven years later when it was square your sun, look at seven years later from that when it was opposed to your sun and so on, you know, seven years and then back around, that you might notice certain kinds of life events that are very Saturnian lining up with those times. And I, I certainly have seen that, you know, in reality to be the case. Um, hard aspects of Saturn will be very vis visible in the biography often. Hmm. You can see these things that was like, oh, clearly that was a, a Saturn kind of event where I had to step up and in, into a role of more responsibility or, you know, things were really hard during that time. I felt like I was overburdened with too much responsibility and I had to, to figure out what my priorities were, you know, things like that. So we can link it to these outer events. So I was just adding up my birthday to see, you know, where I was. Mm -hmm. In that cycle. Oh, yeah. So you are, you're not quite to the opposition point. That happens in your mid-40s mm -hmm. at about 45. So you're, you're not really in a, in a uh, hard aspect time with your Saturn. But there might be, <laughs> in fact, other things going on, which I know there are. Yeah, there always are. So if we could actually use Lisa for an example. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Lisa, I just happen to know you have your son at uh, just about zero degrees Aries, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're born the first day of Aries. And 
Saturn is just about to enter Libra. In fact, this is kind of a big deal thing uh, that's going on. Saturn will be moving into Libra at the end of this month of October. And it will be there for a while, and then it'll retrograde back, but then fully moves in next year into Libra in, in the summer and will be part of that whole uh, configuration we've been mentioning where just about every outer planet is sitting on one of the cardinal degrees, early cardinal degrees. So right now it's kind of a little preview of that energy for the collective, but for you it's, it's moving into a opposition with your sun. So one one way of looking at that, I think, is, you know, first we have to think about what, what the sun is. You know, what is your sun? It's your energy source. It's your life source. It's your core and your essence. It, what gives you, it's what gives you vitality and a sense of uh, wanting to, like, get up in the morning. You know, what gives you that, that desire to get up and participate in your life? Mm-hmm. And Saturn opposing that will bring questions about, you know, whether you're on the path that you want to be and whether the responsibilities that you have have come to a point where, you know, are they at the fruition point that you want or do you need to take things in a different direction? You know, there's less stress around it than the square, but it is the point where something hangs in the balance. You know, it's the opposition point. So before you move on to coasting, you know, the <laughs> coasting phase, it's a time where you decide, okay, has this path of the past 14 years been fruitful enough for me to continue pursuing it mm-hmm. in, on the next half of the cycle, the next 14 years? So, And if, if the answer is yes, then you continue with some ease. And if it's no, then it's time to renegotiate the responsibilities in your life and perhaps to change some responsibilities out for new ones and leave old ones behind. So the other thing that's a little interesting about, you know, the Saturn moving into Libra is that is, of course, we just talked about it, the three of swords. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we're going to see a lot of that in the media, the three of swords right. energy. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, Boy, that's a great link because I've been wondering how, Saturn's movement in Libra is going to be represented um, in the world. You know, some astrologers have been writing about the possibility that the the Libran sector will be activated and the idea of fairness and the idea of justice and equilibrium will become more prominent, you know, in, in the media. Things that are not fair are going to be righted. It's kind of like Saturn comes into Libra and all of a sudden we'll get coldly calculating and impartial about things and, you know, see how what has been unfair needs to be righted all of a sudden. A card that just popped into my head is actually the King of Swords right? for that energy. You know, I would say he's very Saturnian as well. You know, just another, that's free associating, but mm-hmm. to me I can see him as very Saturnian, but it's that idea of uh, kind of cold justice that rights wrongs, that balances things that have been imbalanced for a long time. And there is an association of Saturn, too, with karma and mm-hmm. karmic mm-hmm. debts. So it's kind of like moving into Libra, it's saying the things that have been out of balance for so long karmically now need to be righted. And so I wonder if we'll see, 
you know, things that are related to that. But I also really find that an interesting idea to think about the sorrow card itself, you know, as being what we see. So your free association has, has a good foundation. The, I would say the, the zodiac sign associated with the king of swords is Aquarius. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that was the old ruler. Right, the ancient ruler. Cool. And so actually we're kind of getting the king of swords and the queen of swords coming together because she's Libra. Mm-hmm. So, and, she is, so there, it's the male and female counterparts of mm-hmm. Saturn, perhaps. Right. And, you know, what you just said, I think, is why the world is a decent card for Saturn is the, the karmic rewards. Is with the world, you, you get what the rewards of your work, good or bad. Right. It's like, it's that kind of karma. You yeah. know, the karma that gives you what you deserve in the, in the best possible way. So the only other cards that I would want to mention at all is that you could you could argue or you could say that all of the threes are associated with Saturn too because of the third Sephira, mm-hmm. and the, they don't all look very Saturn except for two of them the three of swords and the three of pentacles but they also have a double Saturn attribution the three of swords being Saturn right and then the three of pentacles being Mars and Capricorn mm-hmm. so okay. the, with the rulership of Capricorn right. So we're looking at the um, the three of wands, the three of cups, Cups, the three of swords, and the three three of pentacles. pentacles. So you could think of Saturn when you saw those, but there's not a lot of Saturnal. I mean, like the three of cups, even though it's Mercury and Cancer, it looks more Mm Jupiter-y. I I would agree with that. But yeah, the second two definitely look Saturnian. Mm -hmm. You know, material works, obviously. Um, Even the first one, though, could make a case for... Mm -hmm. You know, being um, kind of standing there, having established something, uh, kind of a grounded or a grounding of one's strengths in the world. Mm-hmm. And isn't that the one where there's ships coming in? Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. So it's like your ship's coming in because of how hard you've worked. You know, that was about all that I had thought about, I don't know if it, you know, it's worth saying some of the associations for Saturn are for anatomy, teeth, bones, and joints, mm-hmm. the color black. And that's true in alchemy and in Kabbalah, mm-hmm. the, the metal lead, the day of the week, of course, is Saturday. Right. We really kind of, I don't know, I, I hope we didn't skirt around it. You know, I'm looking back at my notes and lo- the difficulties of Saturn. And let me just read them off quickly. Limitations, boundaries, fear, struggle, depression, poverty, obstacles, despair, cynical bitterness, and the curse of disappointment. Yeah, you know, it it would be interesting to just mention some of those things. Uh Only, you know, and I don't feel like we skirted them because we talked a little bit about that, the the strife, the sorrow, those key words. And those those parts of Saturn get so much press, you Uh know. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of fun for me to look at it from a different angle. But, you know, the reality is that when we are in a Saturnian time, when we're in a transit, when we're experiencing that, or when you do a tarot reading for someone and they get uh, the three of swords, you know, there there's a reality to the fact that there's pain. Right. You know, there's sorrow in life. There's discomfort. There's feeling overwhelmed and overburdened. There's feelings 
there's the feeling that you can't overcome certain obstacles. You know, Saturn can often represent the brick wall of reality, the thing that you can't get past, the thing that is uh, fully real and in your face that won't let you, you know, get what you want, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that's a fact of life, that that exists, that we have to deal with that. And those constraints, you know, just like the wreath constraining the dancer in the world card, um, are often what force us to be more creative, you know, and that's me then bringing it back around to the positive. Right. Is that when we are constrained and confined, we have to learn to work within that. And I think that's that's just the reality of, of being human. Yeah. But nobody said it didn't hurt. <laughs> right. And it really has to be acknowledged in any kind of reading, I think. Yeah, we to have to honor authentic. that. Yeah. What I haven't liked, you know, in readings that I've heard or gotten that I didn't get as much out of, either psychic readings or otherwise, um, were when people tried to paint too nice of a picture. Mm-hmm. I would actually have rather have someone be uh, very realistic with me and tell me what the limitations are and honor the fact that there is struggle and pain and and then you know, let's move forward from that. But it has to be acknowledged. I don't, it's not realistic to say, you know, let's say you've lost someone, someone in your life has died. You know, I think the worst possible thing someone can say is, well, you know, everything has their season. Everything dies. Everything passes away. Right. They've moved to a better place. Yeah. (laughs) It's like so useless. Yeah. You know, when someone's grieving. So I think Saturn really helps us to remember the grief and the sorrow is a part of the journey. Just like you said at the beginning that the, that melancholy is a necessary stage of, of the creative process. Well, I put together a spread Mm -hmm. for Saturn and I was, I thought maybe we should do that because we've done that in the past. And where it came from is I found things in, this was in astrology for dummies, things you might want to invoke Saturn for. And I arranged them in the, the shape of the, the sign for Saturn. Uh-huh. And they were conquering fear, combating inertia, seeking solutions, setting goals, and getting organized. Uh-huh. And so um, Dean and I are considering doing, actually we have a couple of joint projects, but one is more immediate than the other. And I thought it would be fun to invoke Saturn uh-huh. for that project, for those things. Yeah. So do you want to draw cards or do you want me to? You know, I don't have my cards right here, okay. so you can go ahead. Do you have a deck preference? I, I always like the Rider weight. Okay, let me go grab one. Yeah. And I kind of like all of these positions as things that you would actually want to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and be successful. So I'm not... Reading reversals, I guess, is the first thing I would say. Mm-hmm. So the first card for combating inertia is the Page of Wands. Do you want me to run through the cards really quickly and then do yeah. one at a time? And then the card for conquering fear is the Ace of Cups. For seeking a solution is the High Priestess. For setting goals is the Six of Swords. And getting organized is the Eight of Wands. 
So really, we actually got no Saturn cards. <laughs> Interesting enough, or nothing that came up right. for Saturn at all. So for combating inertia, we have the Page of Wands. And so he is like young, fresh, feminine energy in the suit of passion and excitement. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, I mean, it all looks very promising. Like I, I, I think so. I feel like we're saying, go forth with this idea. You know, the, the Page of Wands would proclaim how exciting it is. Right. There's that passion. Right. There's impulsiveness. There's passion. There's a fresh start. There's something new without almost anti-Saturn. You know, it's not, there's less responsibility and less work and more excitement. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. It's very spontaneous. Right. And so, perfect. That's, that's exactly what I would say. Combating inertia would be just to do it. Mm-hmm. To dive in. Yeah. So conquering fear. So conquering fear is the Ace of Cups, which is very sweet. Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's a, a sense of just, you know, love and intuition and emotion quelling any anxiety about doing it. And don't all the Aces have to do with the new beginnings? Exactly. So we have, yeah. and actually, so the Ace of Wands would be related to the, the Page of Wands. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's very fresh, very new, a new direction. Right. So seeking a solution, and this is funny, you know, with the high priestess being intuition also and looking within. So it's is that the only major arcana card? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I like that for a lot of reasons. I do too. Well, it's seeking your higher guidance for right. a solution. So in the... The solution could be found in dreams, perhaps, with the high priestess and the moon. Right. And to follow that kind of inner inner wise woman. Right. <laughs> and then for setting goals, we have the six of swords and a sense of seeing, you know, looking for the goal at the end of the journey and things getting easier. Right, that's the one with the um, the man and the woman, then the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and accepting help, I would say, also. Mm-hmm. So you know, we, if we do this together, we don't we can actually get some help on it. Right, I like that idea, and also it's like starting a journey together. Mm-hmm. You know, setting our sails for a journey, and then getting organized. We have the Eight of Wands, which is really kind of crazy swiftness, erratic, fast energy. Yeah, that's the one where they're all going across the sky. Mm -hmm. And that always makes me think of like a a thunder or lightning bolt energy. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, rapid pace and setting up a structure and Mm -hmm. then having to rely on that. Like you need to set some framework in place and then it's just going to be really quick. Yeah, happens fast. Mm -hmm. It does have that feeling about it. Right. (laughs) And a qual- the, the quality that I would expect in what we were thinking about doing. Yeah. No, it definitely goes. I mean, it seems, it seems that this reading works. <laughs> we have tested it. It has been approved. Okay. But I think it's, um, I think Saturn would be, some Saturn would be needed to do it. Yeah. And I don't feel discouraged. No, not at all. I feel really hopeful. And I do think that, you know, like swiftness is going to feel fast paced mm-hmm. yeah. and on the spot. Right. And we just have to kind of like the page of ones to have to improvise 
Mm-hmm. You know, and have high energy too. Yeah. Well, I'm ready for it. Yeah, and I think that you know, I always feel like this part, the reading part, is important and contrived when you have a real person on mm-hmm. the other end, which is you know some of what I picture being able to do. It's going to feel more spontaneous. Absolutely. And less like you know a textbook example. Right. Right. Well, so, I think I feel a little better about Saturn. I'm not sure <laughs> I really want to, wel- you know, I, I'm like jumping in to welcome a lot of Saturn energy. Yeah. I mean, the Saturn's, Saturn's a coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> you get Saturn imposing your sun here pretty soon. Like actually it's within, it's definitely already within orb. So you might, you might look at how you're feeling it already, you mm-hmm. know, in your life. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh Important to look for the gifts of Saturn, I think, because they're there and they just aren't as publicized as the gifts of some other planets, <laughs> which we'll be talking about next time with Jupiter. Yeah, Jupiter's more fun, but I really want, I still really want the things that Saturn has to offer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, we need that, um, that real life feedback of our accomplishments. Well, and I think about the difference between like lottery winners and people who really earn their wealth and success. Yeah, that's the sweetness of Saturn is that well-earned success. All right. All right. Well, I don't know if I should thank you or you should thank me. We're we're kind of sharing the time. I know we are. So I always have fun with this and I'm looking forward to the next time that we do this. Me too. I've really missed um, getting together with you. 